0: I saw another very wonderful idea today in that between Pesach and Shavuot it's the year 5781 between Pesach and Shavuot we're learning Pirkei Avot it's the Mishnayot these sayings the perceived wisdom on character traits Midot how do we act in the world how do we balance our steps how do we give but not too much How do we take but not too much? Etc. And one of the Mishnaya there is Not exactly it, but the Mishnah asks. Very interesting in this Masechet Avot about character traits. Discussing metaphysics, the ways of creation. It says, "Why did God create the world with ten utterances, with ten statements?" Because we know it says explicitly nine times in the Chumash, in the Genesis, and God said, "Let there be light," and God said, "Let there be sea creatures," and God said, "Let there be the sun, the moon, and the stars," and all these things. It says nine times that sort of thing. The tenth is called Bereshis Na'ami Maimarhu. That the first verse of the Torah, Bereshis Bar Elohim in the beginning Hashem created the heaven and the earth, that is considered the first statement, the first all inclusive statement. And we've talked about this many times, and it's considered a statement in thought. The way a person like talks to himself. And he's thinking out everything he's going to say. So the first statement is, so to speak, the mental preparation of all of creation. This is this wisdom point we were talking about in the last podcast. That the first verse of the Torah, Bereshit, is referring to how all of history, past, present, and future, all experiences, all expressions, all creations, they were all thought up in one grand wisdom thought called voracious. And the Mishnah is asking, couldn't everything have been created just like that, with one statement? Why did God have to say nine more statements? So I was reading a beautiful commentary called the Knesset Yisrael on Pirkei Avot, And he gave a couple amazing answers. One answer he says is, that the mission is saying God could have created a universe that was so spiritual and rarefied. And he could have left it, so to speak, in the state where everything is one together in one spiritual unity, so to speak, in the root of creation. Just like trees have a root and different items have a root, a source where they come from. So the whole, so too the whole world, the whole universe, which is an expression of Hashem, an expression of His power. This universe has one root. It's called the first verse of the Torah. It's this verse is representing a, this unbelievable energy that's one with God, whereby the energy of expression for every, 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 everything that would ever unfold in the spiritual universe is existing in one original origin, called a wisdom point. And the Mishnah is actually asking, says this commentary, why not leave it there? Let's all be in this amazing spiritual level where everything is together in its root. Let's be like if the whole universe was a tree, we'll forget the tree part. Let's just experience its oneness in the root of the tree. We don't want to deal with this messy Difficult expansion of the tree out from the root because it's safe in the root. It's pleasant in the root. It's blissful in the root. When it comes out of the root, branches can get chopped. The tree could get knocked down. It could get eaten up by beetles. It's safer. It's wonderful. It's more pleasant in the root. So that's what the Mishnah is really asking. Why did God not leave everything tucked and packed inside of that one statement? Why did he make it Emanate outwards. As the rabbis say, Noah, Adam Sholonivra, Yotamish Nivra. It would have been easier, more pleasant to not have been created and not to have been born. You're born against your will. Let's stay inside the root. So the then the Mishnah says it's to teach you that God gives reward to the righteous that uphold the world in ten statements, and he pays back the wicked who destroyed the world that are, is created in ten statements, like this. No, God doesn't want things to just remain in their ethereal root of the origin of all things. He doesn't want things to just remain in their spiritual root. He wants them to come out and manifest, ultimately, to spin out, to spiral out, to be shell out, to chain out, unfold, unfurl, and eventually become, at the very bottom, the physical world. He wants that. And that's why God created the world in 10 statements to give reward to the righteous that uphold the world in 10 statements. The depth of that is what does it mean now that there are 10 statements that carry the world out from its origin, out from its root? into ultimately, ultimately, physical manifestation with many, 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 many infinite levels in between. It's to give reward to the righteous one, to the righteous nation, Israel, that's able to reach up to that root by studying Torah, by performing the mitzvot, and make the ideal world that is thought up in the root ultimately manifest in physicality. Because we talk a lot about raising, raising up the physical world. What that really means is to manifest the ideal creation as it was thought up in a rarefied root of divine thought and to manifest it into physicality. To basically make the ideal of the world real in physical manifestation. That Hashem thought up for each and every soul his ideal situation. Ideally, ideally, he would be so holy that he would express the divinity of his soul in his physical world, in his physical manifestation. That he would raise a righteous, loving, kind family. That he would do good deeds in the physical world, which is completely connected and part of the same spectrum from the top level all the way down to the bottom level in physical manifestation. When a person is physically manifesting the proper way, according to the Torah, he's hooking up all those levels from top to bottom and everywhere in between. He's making the ideal world manifest in the real world. In the, when I say real, I mean physical manifestation. And that is why the world is created in 10 statements. The idea of the 10 statements is not just 10. Because once you get to 10, then you go to a 100, and then you go to a 1,000, and then you go to 10,000, and then you go to a 100,000, and then you go to a million, and then you go to a billion, and then you go to a trillion, and then you keep going endlessly. 10 becomes infinity in granular particularity. That's what, according to the commentary, It means that God creates the world in 10 statements. It's 10 statements that really are a basis and a platform for all the tremendous detail in creation that takes how everything is rooted in one wisdom thought and pulls it out with tremendous detail and precision across a tremendously long amount of time and complexity Now, the world from one idea is expressing outwards and chaining outwards with tremendous particularity. Why? To give people free will to work as co-creators to make that one ideal thought manifest in the physical world in each and every one's unique way. Now, by the same token now that things express out in ultimately physical manifestation through tremendously complex levels, starting from 10 and then going to infinite variety of expressions to turn the ideal world in the ideal divine mind into certain physical manifestations, this also creates a situation that this is the part of the Mishnah that's misread. It doesn't mean that in God... It doesn't only mean that God punishes the people that destroy the world with ten statements. The word is peraon. It means if the world was just created with one statement, so if people messed up, then they got it wrong, Adam eats from the tree of the garden, and the whole thing blows up. But that's not what happens. Instead, by the very same token that the world is in a very complex, measured, detailed way, emerging from ideal to real, from spiritual to physical, in such tremendous complex levels, that is whereby when people make a mistake and they're acting like a Russia, they act like a wicked person, it says that then by Hashem takes payback from them. The word is paraon, meaning now that the world is coming out and manifesting very methodically, with tremendous step-down processes, with very, very, very many levels in between the ideal and the real, such that when people fail, and everyone's failing a little bit all the time because nobody can do everything perfectly, so when people fail and sin and negativity and imperfection attaches to them, as it says, it's impossible for the, even the most righteous to be completely perfect in their actions because they're not god so they're now that the world is created in in this tremendous complexity so when we in the areas where we're imperfect imperfect god is paraon he's he takes debts he, meaning to say he doesn't just punish immediately because everything is just one light instead when we make mistakes and we fall short he Because everything is so complex. So he makes it that we can make amends and repair. Because there's a lot of complexity that allows us to... Oh, we've turned the wrong way here. We can go back and fix it because things are moving slowly. Things are moving methodically. We have time and space to maneuver to fix what we messed up. It's like education. So... If life was, you have one test, and if you fail it, you're destroyed. So that would be the world being created in one statement. Not that the world is created with the complexity. Now the world's more like a long education process. Where if you mess up along the way, okay, so there's time to fix it, and learn from your mistake and move on. So that's very interesting. But now we say, the next commentary, the next idea from the Knesset Soral. He says... Another way of understanding this mission is basic question did God create the world so that the world should reveal how great he is? Or did God create the world so that we should know how great the world is? And someone wants to step up and be really religious and say oh of course it's all about God. It's all about God. God only created the world to show how great he is. And he might even quote to you the last part of Pirkei Avot, which says Everything that God created in this world, he only created for his glory, for his honor. Which on a simple read, and it's a read that I've taken many times, that nothing really is important in and of itself. It's only there to express how amazing God is. That because when you look at the world, and you see how great it is, so you can infer how awesome Hashem is that He made such a great world. But the commentary says not so fast. Not so fast, because... And this is where I'm kind of adding adding in here a little bit. Do you really think we're going to know God through any sort of creation? No. God is endless. God is absolutely... Unending. There's no way that any sort of created expression could ever allow us to know him fully. So actually says the Knesset Israel, God created the world for us to see how great the world is, for us to understand how great his creation is. And when it says that he created the world for his glory, it means that God created the world that things should attach themselves back to God and feel how much we are beloved as his children. The creation is like God's children. The world was created for us to experience how important we are actually to God. Because we are his children. It's very deep. So he gives you a proof. He says like this. He says, There are two things which testify in each other. The craftsman and his craft. A craftsman testifies how great the, I'm sorry, a craft, a craft is evidence of how great a craftsman is. Right. look at this great craft that I made I must be a great craftsman the craftsman is also a great testimony in its craft because if you know that this thing was made by a great craftsman you know that it's a great craft it's a great product so he says but we have an interesting little conundrum here because like this let's say you want to know how great the craftsman is so You would want to know, if you really want perfect evidence of how great the craftsman is, by looking at the craft, you would actually want to know that he made that craft quickly, with very few steps. Because, let's say you have a great craft, and you know that Craftsman Joe made it. Do you really know that Craftsman Joe is such a great craftsman, just because he made something amazing? Maybe Craftsman Joe isn't so awesome as a craftsman. It's just that he took forever, he took so long to make this craft, but anybody if they had that much time could have done it. So it so, so just the craft itself isn't isn't really great testimony on how awesome Joe is as a craftsman, as a craftsman. But if you knew that Joe made this awesome thing so quickly. Now you know Joe is definitely an awesome craftsman. Because again, if he took, you know, 40 years to make it, it's okay, like anybody could do this in 40 years if, they were, if somebody hand, held their hand the whole way. So for the craft to definitely demonstrate how awesome the craftsman is requires that you know that the craftsman didn't just make something awesome, but he made it very quickly. Okay, on the other hand, on the other hand, now we want to know We want solid evidence that this craft is really, really actually an awesome craft, that it's the best product that it could have ever been. Now we want to know the opposite way. We want to know, not just that it was made by an awesome craftsman, maybe we know an awesome craftsman made it, but maybe he made it quickly. And if he had taken longer on the craft, it would have been better. So now if we really want to know foolproof evidence on how good the craft is based on knowing what the craftsman did, we would specifically want to know the opposite, that he took as long as he possibly could on that craft. Now we really know that this craft is as good as it possibly could be. Specifically because we know that it was made by an awesome craftsman who specifically took as much time as he possibly could on it. He was as slow on it as he possibly could be. And so these two ways of proving the craftsman proving how great the craft is or the craft proving how great the craftsman is, they cut the opposite way. If we want to know how awesome the craftsman is, we want to know that he did it really fast. Because if he took forever, okay, so he took forever. Anybody could do that. But if, on the other hand, we want to know how awesome the craft is, it's not enough just to know that it was made by an awesome craftsman. We want to know that that awesome craftsman took as much time as he could because if he didn't take as long as he could, he could have done it better if he had taken more time. So the commentary says the reason Hashem created the world was for us to know how awesome the world is. And therefore, Hashem expresses it in the concept of ten utterances, which really means, as we said, making the unfolding of ideal spiritual into ultimate physical manifestation take as much time as is necessary with as much methodical detail as is necessary for that to happen. Meaning that God is taking as much time, so to speak, as possible to make this world. And that is really the understanding of what history is. History, these these moments trudging by, 6,000 years of so many moments of this expression of creation and this expression. Because every moment of creation is just another link in the chain of the creative process. The world is still being created. The fact that it's being created so slowly as it appears to us minute ticking by, ticking by, ticking by. That's called God as the craftsman taking as much time as he possibly needs to really make this craft called the universe as perfect as possible. So now we see that the world was created to express how great it is by Hashem showing that he's taking as much time as possible on it. This is what the Mishnah means, that the world was created with 10 utterances to show how great the world is, that how much God cares about the world, that he's taking every methodical step, so to speak, through the means of every methodical moment, which is another step and process in creation, another inch forward in creating the world to show how much he holds the world dear and how important this world is to him because since Hashem is taking so much time, inching slowly, inch by inch by inch, this gives us space to co-create with Him, to co-manifest with Him, to turn the ideal into the real, and to have room to have free will, make mistakes, but He loves it so much, He's not just going to throw the world away because He's doing it in a rush. No, He's going. He wants the world to stay. He's creating it slowly, methodically, specifically through the moments ticking by, inching forward. This shows us how dear and how beloved Hashem holds the world. Bezer to Shem.